Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 368 for Tuesday, the 7th of October, 2014. Welcome to the show, everybody. Tonight, we're going to do something rather exceptional and daring. We are going to install the technical preview of Microsoft Windows 10. We're going to skip right over 9 tonight and go straight for the number 10. So stick around. That's going to be scary, fun, and exciting. Sasha Dermatis, what's coming up in the news? Well, Robbie, here's what's coming up in the Category 5.TV newsroom. Rovio, the creators of Angry Birds, are letting 16% of their staff go. Hackers who released the specs to create a counterfeit version of the Xbox One on eBay are facing up to five years in jail. HP is splitting into two separate companies and laying off 5,000 employees. And Yahoo is close to investing $100 billion or $10 billion in a service that allows for self-destructing image and video transmission. Stick around. The full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Starring Sasha Dermatis. Hillary Rumble. Krista Wells. Eric Kidd. And your host, Robbie Ferguson. Introducing Belltone First, a revolutionary new hearing aid. So small you can hardly see it. So comfortable you can hardly feel it. For the first time ever, you can control hearing aids directly from your iPhone. Pick up the phone, listen to music, and use your hearing aids like wireless headphones. Hear everything that matters. Try Belltone First. For a free trial, call 1-800-BELLTONE now. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Hey, everybody. My name's Robbie Ferguson. My name's Bailey Thompson. Bailey J. Thompson Bailey is J. here with Thompson. us. <laughs> yeah, just to differentiate from all the Bailey Thompsons in the world. Just got the J in the middle. There are many. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Sasha Dermatis. Hey, Sasha. Hey, guys. How are you? Great. How are you? Good. You ready for a rocking good show? Absolutely. How about you at home? You ready? Bailey? I'm ready. Been gearing up for this moment, and here we are in Studio D, the first time here. It's amazing. Yeah. She knows. Yep. She has a photo studio and everything herself. Well, Green nothing like is, this. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the chroma key is something else, eh? Being it's, able to do this live. Yeah, I've never been able to do it live or yeah. video. It's really. hard. It is. Telestream Wirecast. Cat5.tv slash Wirecast is the software that we use. It's wonderful. It lets us do all this stuff. You see Sasha's shots there? Second from the bottom. That's how it's all done. Uh, so I can switch on to her. There you go. How cool is that? All live in real time right here in studio d it's incredible cool stuff this week we've got a really cool new technology eh what do you think sasha oh 
It's amazing. <laughs> what new technology? Where, well, where's all your? Where's the paper have, on your desk? I have all the news memorized inside my head. It's incredible, and you're you're looking straight at the camera. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. This new teleprompter. That's that, nice. Now, how did we get the teleprompter? Robbie? Well, we kind of had to design one and build it from scratch and code it. Who did the coding? It was me. Yeah. It was me. But uh, how's that working? That's that's it's, pretty cool. It's smooth so far. Let's right. see how it goes. Yeah, okay. I'm going to show you guys how that works on Backstage Pass. So if you've been following along with the Studio D uh, Backstage Pass videos, uh, you're going to actually get to see how the teleprompter was put together, how it works, and uh, how that is uh, giving Sasha the news tonight. Very cool. So... All right, we've got lots of your questions as well, and uh, Bailey's got uh, the chat room as well as email up. And if you want to email us, it's live at category5.tv. Uh, or, of course, the chat room is uh, category5 on Freenode. There she is, <laughs> Bailey J in the chat room. Hello oh, to good guy, yeah. Everybody saying hi? Hey, Tennessee Frank and Calicom. Jot, always good to see you. Well, get your questions in in the chat room if you like. Uh, in the meantime, Me? oh, I've hey. got one here. Oh well, do you, let's let's oh. jump into our feature okay. tonight, and then we, we're going to jump into your viewer questions uh, after after the news segment this this evening. Uh, of course, news coming up uh, about halfway through the show. What is kind of crazy is Microsoft has released their uh, version 10 technical preview which is basically a, it's a beta of a beta it's it's you don't want to run it it's not ready for any kind of production use whatsoever however you know this operating system that is scheduled to release next year they have released a, a preview so that people such as myself beta testers people who are uh, you know technically savvy and want to test the operating system are able to get in and uh, kind of at the at the entry point and test this op the new operating system what's coming up from Microsoft Windows so they revealed this last week uh, Tuesday night or Tuesday afternoon I believe it was um, they are not going to do Windows 9 after all now the Nine 13. became thirteen. Then, as far as Windows goes, kind of like it was. Well, <laughs> Windows Eight became kind of the Windows Vista two as far as people's enjoyment of the operating system. I think uh, it just trying to change that desktop paradigm, trying to take an operating system, make it so that it works on tablets, but kind of forgetting about your desktop users a little bit is is kind of a bad move in in my opinion. It's confusing. And yeah. I'm not using a touch device on no. my desk at work. Of course, I've got a touch screen to operate our cameras and everything. That makes sense. How many people are operating cameras at their desk? <laughs> I'm one in, in, in three, right? So Microsoft has announced that they're bringing back the start menu. They're bringing back a couple of the features that uh, are key to the success of Windows 7. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That's good to hear. Yeah, but they're still sticking with that uh, because the their tablets, the the Surface tablets are are fairly popular among Windows users, and so they they still want to be able to create an oper operating system that works on the desktop, works on the mobile device, works on the tablet, and is transient between them. So if I sit down with my tablet, connect it to a monitor, it comes up as a desktop, and I've got access to some things that you know it, it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. That's very cool. We're kind of following at this point. This was Ubuntu's idea many years ago, I remember. 
<laughs> but it's it's happening with Microsoft anyways. And we're going to look at the technical preview tonight. Let's get it going on as far as the install goes. And welcome to our chat room. If you have any questions, say hi to, uh, to Bailey in the chat room. At some point, it would be great if I could be on the chat room here at my desk. Wouldn't that Bobby? be cool? Yes. Yeah, okay. I hear you. I hear you. we got to <laughs> build chat room functionality into your... I know. I miss the chat room. That's a good point. Uh-huh. That's a good point. You could have a little on my here. desk. Yeah. yeah. So, Bailey, it's, uh, you're, you're going to have to like read out the chat room to, <laughs> to uh, Sasha here. So we are in Studio D, and for those of you who are new to Category 5 Technology TV, and for those of you who are maybe just getting to know the show, uh, we have a very, you know, I think a fairly well-formatted show, and, uh, and we usually know exactly what the plan is for every broadcast. Um, as we're just moving into Studio D, time is, is absolutely limited. Differ- it's very, very different for all of us because we're basically come in setting up computer monitors setting up devices and then jumping into a show uh for the episode 367 and 368 tonight um, so we're going to do our absolute best to do some awesome broadcasting for you get you some good information answer your viewer questions in the meantime if i do have technical difficulties uh please bear with us and uh and we'll be able to get through those as best we can so i'm just going to make a couple quick changes to my system here so that i can boot this thing up and here we go with the ISO, if all goes well. The Windows logo for Windows 10. So it was a bit of a shock, I think a surprise, that they decided to skip over Windows 9. We're just going to let that boot up. So we're actually going to be installing from an ISO image that's been downloaded here. Uh, you can actually download that. I'm not going to uh, verbally say the link, but we'll post that in the in the uh, show notes for episode number 368. So if you're interested in downloading it, um, then you'll be able to do that. I don't seem to be able to boot up from the ISO just now. Let's see if I can get it going. Lovely. Bailey, if you could see if there's anything going on in the chat room, anything that uh, you can communicate just sure. while I work through this. Send them my issue. love. Oh, tell <laughs> Sasha D that she does look so cool sitting behind that big desk, though. Oh, I thank you. <laughs> my expansive desk. That, that has been... Tennessee Frank. Ten- Hi, Tennessee Frank. Uh, yeah. Robbie. Sorry, I have bad eyesight. It's hard to see this. <laughs> Despite the glasses. Robbie designed my desk. oh that's funny robbie f i heard they skipped it because they're wanting to distance themselves from windows 8 so users do not think it's related to windows 8 or 8.1 it's kind of the impression that i got eh yeah maybe like the word nine like maybe there's some sort of like other language translation that sounds like no or so i feel like what how do you say no in german doesn't it sound a little bit like nine maybe maybe (laughs) it's not a good number yeah (laughs) <laughs> Maybe that was Italian. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> bad luck. Bad, yeah, bad luck thing. This show just like got 13. really mixed up. Really mixed up. <laughs> yeah, I think it was German. Maybe it was Italian. <laughs> eh, whatever. It's <just> bad luck. <laughs> Something. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to see if I can fire this thing up. Now, we're working with uh, uh, pre-release ISO. Let's see if we can boot it up. And if not... Thankfully, we've got lots of viewer questions, and we can always do this another week. <laughs> ah! 
after some extensive testing. At the very least, we've got the logo. We do. I mean, the logo is exceptionally dull. It looks like a window. Yeah. Yeah, so. but simple is in. That's that's the I thing. Think, yeah. I think so. Mm. I think simple says modern. From a design perspective. <laughs> Let's take a window and just out of squares and just pivot its Put axis. It on an angle. There you go. There, yeah. All right. That works. All right. Well, we've got we've got a, a turny little dial wheel thing that makes it seem as though it's loading. It's fancier. Mm-hmm. It does include animation. Look at this. If we're lucky, we're going to be able to boot up from this ISO. And again, we're working with a uh, pre-release uh, technical preview ISO. Uh, that's the download image that you can download. It's like a CD. So let's see if we're able to get this up and running. This is the uh, the out-of-the-box experience right here that you're getting with the technical preview. Keep in mind that this software is not going to be ready, Bailey, until, what are they saying, mid-next year? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's not at all ready for uh, consumer consumption. Can you say consumption? consumer consumption? I was going to say that, but that sounds like the wrong word. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Uh, one of the things that has been driving some people nutty is that one person out of the millions of people who downloaded the Windows 10 preview uh, decided that they would read the privacy policy. And that one person decided to blog about it and say, oh, did you guys read this? Um, because sort of ominously, Microsoft has slipped some stuff in there that is monitoring everything that you do with the Windows 10 preview. Huh. Which is fine because it's a pre-release and they want to get feedback about your system and how you're using it. But things like what text you type in. Oh, that's kind of scary. Yeah. I mean, anything else, it's kind of like they're just studying to how to make it better. But sure. text you're typing in, what, how's that going to change the software? Well, then they know exactly how you're using it, right? Yeah, what you're thinking about. Which is all fine and good if if it's just for this release, but just the fact that they have done that and are able to do that legally. And didn't disclose of it more obviously. It's in the privacy policy. And if you want to sit there and read through that, as we're going to tonight, you'll see that we're going to take 45 minutes of the show just to read through the privacy policy. (laughs) You're going to lose viewers here. It's not going to happen. So, you know, and everybody says it's not going to happen. So when they found, you know, somebody found this out and said, oh yeah, this is kind of creepy. And with the, with the whole security and privacy concerns that are kind of you know, pro- prominent on the internet these days. Yeah, there seems to be a privacy concern with every website. And you, you're afraid of cookies? Yeah. And here's an operating system that's completely that's monitoring tracking. everything that's going on. So you don't want to run this as your main operating system because it's not going to give you any, uh, even uh, offer any amount of privacy. Whether or not we're going to be able to boot it up tonight, we're going to give it just another moment and see if it, uh, if it comes up. Positive thinking. I'm really hoping for a blue screen of death or something. (laughs) At least that. At least give me that, Microsoft. (laughs) A little dramatization. Yeah, like a Windows 3.1 error sound. Maybe that uh, window, it was a blue window, right? Maybe it's just a window into the blue screen of death. Maybe that's the new blue screen of death. We're gazing upon the (laughs) the BSOD just like that. Doesn't look like it's going to boot up, so we can jump right into viewer questions if this is going to keep up like this. So I apologize, folks, if you were <laughs> really looking forward to seeing Windows okay, 10, yeah. as Adam was, I'm sure. Uh, we'll get it going. Uh, Studio D, uh, as you know, brand new here, and we did we don't have as much time as I would like to 
pre-test stuff. I would have loved to uh, sit down and spend a couple hours pre-testing this, but instead we're putting, I put up this computer monitor here, Adam, you can, you can like see all this stuff. Um, so this, this, oh, whoa, trippy. It's like the mirror (laughs) of doom. And then we've got the teleprompter and everything all set up and, and everything else that's gone into this place and lots of cleaning too. Adam, Adam came in and said, holy cow, you've been moving a lot of stuff, getting a lot of stuff done. So that's what I did instead of pre-testing whether or not windows eight would boot up or windows 10 would boot up. What can you do? Priorities. It works. All right. Well, Bailey wanted to get into your questions anyways. Last week was funny after the show. Um, it, I thought I will put my the broadcast onto a USB stick, take it home, and be able to upload it through our internet there because we're just using the cellular internet here. And my USB stick was so slow. It took an hour and a half just to copy the broadcast onto the USB flash drive. Figures. Ridiculous. So I got this thing. It's, it's like 70 megabits a second or megabytes per second, 500 and something megabits a second. So it's, it's a lot faster. Gave it a test run. Took 60 seconds. Impressive. Yeah. That's, that's the from an hour and a half. Yeah. So, you know, for 18 bucks, there you go. So that's how wow. we're doing it tonight. So after the show, we copy it to that, take it home, upload it to the internet, and then all of you can enjoy not seeing Windows 10 <laughs> over and over again. You can play it back. Well, the black screen is always nice. Yeah, the black screen of death. That's all we got, folks. That's all we got. At least the first time I got like a CPU error, and then I could reboot it and got nothing. But it has been some time since we've been able to get into viewer questions. So I'm more than happy to turn this into a viewer question extravaganza. What do you say? Sure. All right. All right. I will start with a question from the Zen guy. Um, Hi, Zen guy. Hi, Zen guy. Hello, Cat5. I enjoyed last week's show um, about securing WordPress. However, I ran across this other page that said not to use some WordPress security plugins because they would slow down your site by making your HT access file larger. The page also stated that you can rename your login page to something more obscure than WordPress admin. I don't know if that was mentioned in the show since I'm always getting distracted by the chat room. <laughs> uh, this was from Zeng, uh, Zen, the Zen, Zen guy. guy. Yeah. yeah, hey, thanks, Zen guy. Um, okay. Sasha and I uh, did have some looks at WordPress and how to secure it up, and I've done a couple of features on it. Uh, the, the thing that you got to remember when you're looking at WordPress Uh, and Joomla and Drupal or whatever content management system you're using. That's interesting. Sorry to interrupt, but I'm just saying (laughs) after 45 minutes, we're finally there, folks. So we'll come back to Windows 10. Brilliant. Amazing. Uh, As you install these kinds of plugins, uh, there is a reason that I recommend specific plugins because they're tried and true, they're tested, they're known to be safe. But there are other plugins out there that may be malicious, may be bloatware, may slow down your website, may do other things. That's absolutely true. Um, one instance comes to mind on the Lutrec Show website. And uh, love, our, love us some Star Trek, love some nostalgia, and, and uh, hearing from uh, people who are of like fandom. Um, and his website, uh, he installed an antivirus plugin. An antivirus plugin of all things, you would think. Oh, that sounds like a good thing because you're sur- you're surfing through available WordPress plugins, and it oh antivirus for your WordPress site. That sounds wonderful. It actually installed a virus on the site and distributed that to users who visited the site, 
and because it was malicious code that was put into uh, a plugin, and and they used the ruse of an antivirus to make you think that you were installing antivirus, and in fact, you were doing the exact opposite. So then Google, you know, visits the site, does a crawl through the site, and realizes, hey, there's a virus here, pull you out of the rankings, uh, and uh, it's sometimes hard to get back in if if you're flagged as being a malicious site. Um, you can get onto lists that say that you are a malicious site because you're distributing malware. That can be a problem. So it's important to be really, really careful about which plugins you install. So, Sasha, when you and I went through and, and did some uh, plugin installations, there were very specific ones, and in particular thinking of um, you know, antivirus, mm-hmm. uh, WordFence. It, it kind of works as a form of antivirus by... Uh, doing checksum comparisons between the installed versions of plugins that you have and WordPress itself, the core, as well as the uh, what's available online. So if they differ, it simply says there's something different about this file. So if you have this plugin installed, but online uh, the install is actually different, then something has happened to your installation, probably a virus. So it works as a bit of a makeshift virus scanner. So you do got to be careful about that. Um, his second question there, Bailey, uh, with pertaining to that. Sorry, um, actually, it was the login page. Oh, the log. Yeah, you remember sorry. we actually did that. So we, <laughs> no, thank you. I'm I like, appreciate I that. I know. Yes, uh, we we did that um, through the uh, through that tutorial. So even though you were busy in the chat room that night, uh, I'm sure that the conversation was just a riot. Uh, make sure you watch back to that episode uh, where Sasha and I first set up um, WordPress. Our, our first feature was about uh, renaming WordPress login, WP-login, because that's one of the things that get, gets hit all the time. But then if you follow through that series, we also talked about WordFence and using it to block the login form because uh, – do you use WordPress, Bailey? I do. You do? Okay. So if you imagine so – everybody knows that it's WP-login or WP-admin uh, yeah. to get into your site. So if they know that you're Bailey and and your username is plainly visible on the website because it's in the URL for your posts. Yeah, and whatever I comment. Yeah, exactly. So they can go to the login form. They know your username. They just have to keep on guessing at your password, which doesn't sound like it sounds like impossible, right? But uh, fact is, is they use bots. Right. They go yes. through dictionaries and go through brute force attacks. And if you're not if you're not protected with something like WordFence, uh, it, they'll eventually get in. They'll break in. WordFence says, out of the box, if they try to log in 20 times as, a, as your user mm-hmm. and they fail 20 times, they're blocked. Yeah, I have that implemented on my site. Yes. <laughs> I've locked myself out before. So. Yeah, and that's fine There's because no it's, a, it's a one-hour block. It's enough to deter uh, a bad guy. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, if, if worst case scenario, you got to come back. An hour yeah. later or something like that to get into different your blog. Computer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true, too. Just get a different IP address, which they do, too. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but the, it's all stuff to consider. Yeah, so definitely absolutely. renaming your WP-login is a good idea. Shall we? I think we shall. All right. Windows 10. Backing up, backing up, back. All right. So we've got Windows 10, the installer, up on the screen here. Look at that. Okay, so where are we? Language, okay, United States, fine. Uh, Time and currency, United States. I'm happy with that. Okay, Uh, install now. Let's see if it works. Setup is starting. Well, that's better than it did last time. (laughs) Progress. Yeah. See how it goes? It sounds like it's working. 
the mouses move. Ah, oh, the mouse disappeared oh. there for a moment. That was neat. It's always a good sign. Yeah. I think that Microsoft is, you know, we make fun a little bit, and that's, that's okay because we just had a couple of technical glitches, and we expect those things. But they're, they're getting better at their installers for sure. I think Windows 7 was the transition away from mm-hmm. really horrible installers. Windows 8 got better. Yeah. So I stopped at, I think, Windows 7. So are you on Windows 7? or I have one computer on Windows 7. Mm-hmm. One is running one of the old, old, old ones because I just prefer it. Like Windows XP? No, I oh, think phew. it's Vista. <laughs> I can't remember. I think it's Vista. Is it? Yeah. You having fun? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Good. All right. I'm not even going to touch that, folks. <laughs> I know you're not. I know. Yeah, I'm being polite. Honesty. <laughs> All right. Oh, see, this is the crazy stuff. Okay. Oh, holy cow, folks. Are you serious? And then somewhere in the French there somewhere, it says something about policier et connais Does anyone... I don't know. Nine. <laughs> I'm guessing somewhere in here it talks about the fact that they're collecting and sending all your information to Microsoft. I'm going to do a custom install and choose my hard drive. And next. And you can see yeah, the install process is awfully easy. So, I mean, this is what we can come to expect from a, a modern operating system. And it's literally just going through. There we go. So it, it's looking good, guys. I think we're going to be up and running with Windows 10 tonight. It's at 0%. Oh, <laughs> 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 it just jumped to 100. Did you see that? That was cool. No 50% for you. You weren't kidding when they, you said their installers were getting better. It's just jumped from 0 to 100, but it took 10 minutes to get there. Oh, now we got... Okay, now we've got a more accurate kind of getting ready for the installation. Okay, so we're going to let that go, Bailey, and uh, if we could hit another viewer question, that would be wonderful. Uh, I've got a question from Marcus. Hey, Marcus. I was wondering if there's a way to stream through YouTube with Wirecast 4.1.3 without using Wirecast for YouTube. I go into the broadcast setting. When I try to add YouTube, it won't sign in and gives me an HTTP error 403. Huh. Okay, well, yes, um, you can broadcast with 4.x uh, from Wirecast. Difference between Wirecast and Wirecast for YouTube. Um, Wirecast for YouTube is, is basically kind of like a stripped-down version that was developed alongside, uh, you know, with a partnership with Google to release Telstream Wirecast into the YouTube uh, broadcaster realm. It's really, really cool because it's available to you as a, as a U, uh, Google partner, a YouTube partner. Um, for us, though, we use Telestream Wirecast, the real deal, the full-fledged software. So if you want to check out the difference, check out the software. It's cap5.tv slash Wirecast. You can broadcast with the older software. However, um, a lot has changed. I mean, Wirecast 6 is coming out in early November. So we know that you're already two versions behind. And it's tough because, you know, it's commercial software. You do have to buy it. And if you're on the older software, you may run into some problems with some of the the newer uh, stream features. So the things that I would check is log into your YouTube account and make absolutely sure that you are registered as a live broadcaster. That's key. 
when you do that, your credentials will now be available um, in, in Wirecast. You can enter your user credentials for a YouTube stream. The first thing that you have to do, though, is you have to create, as a live broadcaster, you go into um, your, your videos um, section, and you'll, you're going to click on Live. Uh, we could actually do this up on the screen if, since you uh, want to see this. I'm going to get over to YouTube here. So youtube.com slash uh, dashboard is where we go as broadcasters. And I'm just going to get in there. Okay, so I'm logged in as Category 5 TV. Category 5 TV is um, a, a Google partner, YouTube partner. So uh, you click on Video Manager, Videos, Live Events, and on your Live Events page, you have to, so you have to be registered as a live broadcaster in order to do this. Um, so from there, you can create a new live event. So this is this is the precursor to being able to broadcast with Wirecast. So you actually have to create this live event first, schedule it, so tell your audience when is this actually going to occur, and then create the event up at the top right-hand side here. Once you've created that event in YouTube and saved it, um, next step is you're going to select what bit rate on YouTube that you want to use. Then you go into Wirecast, and then that's when you create your connection for YouTube. And when you do that, it's going to see the episode that you just programmed into YouTube. It's going to automatically detect the bit rate that you specified on YouTube, and then it's going to allow you to broadcast. But you have to do it in that order. If you haven't created the broadcast first, you can't connect to it from Wirecast. And if you haven't already registered as a live broadcaster on YouTube, you're not going to be able to create that live broadcast. So uh, please give it a try. Let us know how it goes, okay? And uh, we'd be happy to help you. Um, that's the kind of thing, too. I could remote in and see if there's anything that I can help with uh, using uh, TeamViewer or something like that. Uh, but good luck. Wirecast has been doing it for some time. They were one of the first to have YouTube live streaming, and uh, it's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Sounds like it. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, it is time to jump into the newsroom, and then we're going to come back to Windows 10 uh, in just a few minutes' time. But uh, when we're looking at Windows 10 tonight, it's, it's in the process of installing, and uh, we're going to be able to um, find out kind of how we can use this cool up-and-coming operating system from Microsoft. <laughs> All right, I'm going to throw it over to the newsroom. Sasha Dermatis, hey uh. Thanks, Robbie. Here are the top stories from the Category 5.TV newsroom. The maker of the hit mobile video game Angry Birds, Rovio, will lay off 130 staff, it announced on Thursday. The job cuts in Finland, which account for 16% of its workforce, will happen sooner rather than later, said Chief Executive Mike Mikal Head on its website. He added, We've been building our team on the assumptions of faster growth that have then have materialized. Angry Birds is the number one paid mobile application of all time. The company has expanded the brand into a TV series, toys, clothing, and an animated movie, which is expected to premiere in theaters next summer. However, the firm has faced scrutiny after it reported its net profit had more than halved in 2013 compared to the previous year. Jack Kent, a mobile analyst for technology research firm IHS, said Rovio might have trouble rep replicating the success it had enjoyed in the past. 
adding that it could be difficult for Rovio to break back into the top of the industry, now dominated by competitors like Finland's supercell maker of Clash of Clans and London-based King, which de- develops the Candy Crush saga. So that is a big deal. Angry Birds is an amazing game. I, I wonder if there, if you can go so far with a, a something like Angry Birds to the point where it just becomes cliche almost. Well, I... I, I can't, what's the movie going to be? <laughs> throwing the birds still. Oh, We're still just throwing the birds. still such a fun game. Yeah, I'll give it that. Four people have been charged in the U.S. and one in Australia for their alleged involvement in a hacking ring that stole pre-release video game data. Prosecutors have claimed that members of the group managed to use some of the information to create counterfeit versions of the Xbox One console. Oh, wow. One of these is said to have been sold on eBay for $5,000 ahead of the machine's official launch. U.S. Army helicopter training software is also alleged to have been pirated. The U.S. Department of Justice said the value of the intellectual property and other data stolen totaled between $100 to $200 million. It added that two of the suspects, one from New Jersey and the other from Ontario, Canada, had already pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit computer fraud and copyright infringement. I'll just interject. I'll bet you the the one from Ontario Uh uh, apologized. (laughs) Oh, as he was doing it. Oh, I'm so sorry for reverse engineering this console. I just... So sorry. (laughs) Just throwing that out there. Copies of the Xbox One, then codenamed Durango, development kit appeared on eBay in August 2012. They face up to five years in jail when a judge sentences them this January. Wow. Poor guys. (laughs) HP has confirmed its plans to split into two separate companies, one focusing on enterprise IT and the other on PCs and printers. It's a major reshaping of one of the biggest names in the technology world. One company will do business as Hewlett Packard Enterprise and be made up of HP's enterprise technology, software, and service businesses. The other company, made up of HP's PC and printing businesses, will be called HP Inc. and will retain the current logo. Because of the scale of HP, both businesses will be Fortune 50 companies. Hewlett Packard Enterprise would benefit from the separation because of a reduction of debt at the operating company level. Would allow them to invest in key areas. Enterprise will focus on HP's Moonshot servers, three-par storage, and the HP Hellion Cloud as a particular areas of innovation. On the HP Inc. side, 3D printing is likely to be an area of big investment. The process is expected to be completed by the end of HP's 2015 financial year. HP shareholders will own shares of both Hewlett Packard Enterprise and HP Inc. The company also said that 5,000 additional jobs will be lost at the company, but said that this is separate to the plans to split into two. Oh, so, it's just an added bonus. We're splitting oh, yeah, into two. Oh, yeah, by the way, yeah. Oh, yeah. Will we lose our jobs? Will we when you split? Oh, yeah. But it's separate. Yeah, that's it's not at all related completely to Completely unrelated. Yeah. Oh, And goodness. they won't be able to find jobs at the uh, Angry Birds place. I know. What is? What are people going to do? Uh-oh. Oh, boy. They could always work for Snapchat. Yahoo is close to investing billions of or millions of dollars in mobile messaging service Snapchat, which may value the startup at about ten billion dollars, reports say. <laughs> Snapchat allows users to send images and videos that disappear seconds after being viewed. 
Snapchat is said to have rejected a $3 billion takeover offer from Facebook and other tech behemoths, including China's Alibaba and Tencent groups in recent years. Both Yahoo and Snapchat refused to comment. For all your tech news with a slight Linux bias, visit the Category5.tv newsroom at newsroom.category5.tv. For the Category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Dermatis. Thanks, Sasha. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show. It's episode number 368, and you can get onto our website, www.category5.tv, for all 368 hours of this thing. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Here we go. Don't forget, uh, check out our... uh, online store it's shop.category5.tv we've got these things if you're a musician at all okay if you love to create music if you like to jam if you play guitar if you sing whatever it is that you do you know the name Tascam. these are eight channel multi-track digital porta studios and they are normally priced about 450 to 500 bucks we've got them in our store about 150 dollars right now they are on blowout uh, i picked up one for for us here at the studio which we're going to be reviewing and of course they are uh, selling through our website shop.category5.tv just a cool way for you to support the show and get some really good gear at a wonderful price by the way sasha you know what else you can get at the store what is it this awesome mug in a variety of colors oh really yellow i didn't even know what color is yours robbie green bailey i've got blue nice (laughs) (laughs) shop.category5.tv that's enough of those shenanigans goodness me just click on some banners or something people all right windows is getting ready don't know uh what it's getting ready for (laughs) but it's it's almost there i suppose maybe that's why they named it windows 10 because it is going to take the entire duration of nine right through to get through to the installation. It actually takes that long, <laughs> do you think? Are we going to see this thing in the in the hour that we have? Who knows? It's like that's that's our you know a lot of shows will have like some kind of really intense kind of maybe we need some really intense music, you know, just something like that, <laughs> just to see is it going to make it? Find out after this viewer question. What do you think? Sound good to me. (laughs) Here's a question from DJ Quad. Hey, DJ Quad. Oh, boy, this one's a long one. All right. Um, This will get us through to the end of the installation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've been wanting to learn how to program for years, but this far, every book and video has gone over my head quickly. I I eventually want to learn C... What is that? C? C, C... C Sharp. Oh, C-sharp. Okay. For both Windows software and development and game development, you, Unity 3D to be specific, it's a game engine that uses C-sharp. Um, I know nothing about programming scripting other than generally what can be achieved. I've been a web developer for years and know HTML very well, CSS semi-well, and JavaScript not at all. I'm a pro at breaking scripts. I've sort of shifted away from web development and want to focus on learning programming itself. It's like a vicious cycle for me. Every six months or so, I get into the, okay, I'm prepared to learn phase, (laughs) (laughs) find a tutorial book, get overwhelmed, then give up. Um, Although C-sharp is the end goal, it's worth learning an easier language like VB as a complete and utter novice at first. Um, I know there's not a ton of difference in learning new languages gets easier and easier as it's mostly about syntax, but I feel like I can't wrap my head around the most basic concept as a foundation. 
Um, should I keep trying to learn C-sharp, or should I delve into another language to get a more basic understanding of coding itself, then transition to it? Every house needs a foundation, but I feel like I can't even grasp how the concrete is made when building it. Nice metaphor. Mm-hmm. I like it. <laughs> well, I think um, what's important to do when you're... Oh, hi, Bailey. No, let's push that button. Right. All right. What's important to do um, uh, when you're learning to code, when you're learning to do anything, it's to... Um, to expand your knowledge, but don't overwhelm yourself. Because I, I hear what you're saying. What can be really discouraging is you get these thick books that say learning Linux or learning C Sharp or learning Python or whatever it may be, and you pay a boatload for this big thick book and you read it through and you try a couple of the samples, and it's just oh my goodness, it, you know you're you're bleeding out the ears and it's just no fun, and then you give up, and that's kind of how we learn. <laughs> yep. I think DJ Quad, uh, you know, as as you do have, I understand some um, some knowledge of perhaps was it, did he mention HTML, HTML and HTML, CSS, Samuel, and no JavaScript. So, knowing that you have learned some um, web based programming languages, so we're we're thinking HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. Okay. So HTML is a good starting place f- because I'm thinking about building upon our knowledge rather than trying to completely transition, right? Um, try, try to adapt your, your knowledge and grow your knowledge. So take HTML as a base and think, okay, wh- where can I go from HTML? I'm good at that. So is that all there is to programming when it comes to that vein of programming? So I would think, no, instead, let's, let's look at now, uh, think about, okay, realistically, you've got to learn XML too um, and XHTML and, and learn those so that you have a good solid base of XML compliant HTML output. Um, and then take that and get away from static programming like HTML and if you, if people who are watching, if anyone doesn't understand anything that I'm saying, don't worry. It is just gibberish. It's I'm just making up a bunch of acronyms: PHP, uh, SQL. Uh, you know, yeah, it, it makes sense to some, and that's okay. If it doesn't, it's all right. Um, so my my vein of thought is, why not then take it from HTML to XML uh, to something like maybe PHP is the way you know that would be a natural progression to me Uh, and it's something that's current it's something that is you're not going to be behind the times with PHP uh, as long as you're starting with you know the compliant code for PHP 5.x right so and the thinking there is to transition from a static language such as HTML XML and and now take that knowledge because HTML output is what PHP gives the user now create something that is server-side code, PHP, which you can execute like a program. So you have now taken your HTML knowledge and created something that is dynamic, something that is uh, that can think for itself, if you will, uh, something that is executable code. So then you're taking that knowledge and you're growing along the same vein and you're becoming better at the HTML as you're doing all this other stuff and learning how to do dynamic programming. So that would be a good base. And then once you've got PHP down, woohoo, C Sharp is not quite as difficult as it was when you only knew HTML. Right? It's this progression rather than trying to dive right in and going, oh my goodness, I can't do this. I don't understand because I don't know what, or, you know, if you don't know object oriented programming and arrays, then it, it can be really, really hard to get into those kinds of languages 
from ground zero. So start with PHP, give it a go, see how it goes. Read a lot of, you know, php.net is a good resource um, with the functionality of PHP. Uh, grab some programs. I started with a, f- a photo gallery of all things and just reverse engineered the whole thing because it's open source code and learned how to code PHP based on just reverse engineering other people's code. And that can be a good starting place for you. So, Absolutely. Good luck. Let us know how it goes, all right? Be interested to hear from you. And thanks for the question, DJ Quad. All right, Bailey, what do we see? Settings, it looks like. Ooh, we're making some progress here. Okay, we recommend... See, I don't even, I don't even want to read that. <sighs> what is it doing to me now? Let Windows... Okay, yeah. Well, everyone's going to... Yeah, let's use Express Settings. Of course, we want to probably click Customize. But, all right. So, we're almost there. Check this out. Username. Robbie. Password. I don't know. I'm going to make something up. All right. And finish. Finalizing our settings. Uh, the installation process, surprisingly, was, you know, not, you know, it was a little bit buggy there, a little, I guess I would say. To be expected, once, though, right? I think so. Yeah. It's very, very young. Um, and you can't install something like this and expect it to work perfectly out of the box. No, especially when it's tester. Have you seen my blog, baldnerd.com? I actually... Oh, it's communicating with us. Hi. <laughs> oh, on my blog, baldnerd.com, uh, my initial experiences and first impressions of Windows 10 are there, uh, including the fact that the first install that I did, the start menu did not work at all. It was just a jumbled mess. It was useless. Okay, so apps are coming through. There we go. So a couple of the things that are cool about Windows 10 versus, say, Windows 8, because that's, you know, we're, we're trying to get away from, okay, we've made a mistake there because Windows 8 was, um, it didn't go over too well. Right. Right. Because of the fact that, okay, we've so shifted the paradigm. We've done what DJ Quad was trying to do. We've thrown him a book and said, okay, now you're going to have to do things completely different. No, Microsoft. Learn from what we told DJ Quad and instead ease the transition. Uh, so the technical preview uh, has got the start menu back. They've improved it, but they've also they've still got the tile interface, but it's a part of the start menu now. Uh, so you can pin your applications and things like that. But apps, in fact, will open in, in desktop mode uh, as Windows. So you're not trapped into that whole metro-style interface that Windows 8 was notorious for. Yeah, that's no fun. Uh, one of the key things is that uh, multitasking has been improved uh, as far as visual interaction with the multitasking environment. Uh, multiple desktops have been implemented in such a way that it actually kind of makes sense. Uh, but again, Microsoft is striking me as really being a follower with all their innovations these days. I, I kind of hinted jokingly about Ubuntu already doing what they're doing now. Ubuntu five years ago was creating an operating system that you plug your phone into a docking station and it comes up with a whole desktop operating system on your screen. Great. Now Microsoft is trying to do the same thing five years later. Uh, and it's the same old story, right? It's, the iPhone 6 was a joke to Android users. Um, so f- for me as a Linux user, I'm seeing things that are, okay, multiple desktops. Well, I'm, I'm on Linux myself, and, and, and this is Linux, and I have 
way more multiple desktops than Microsoft Windows is ever going to give me. And I even have Microsoft Windows 10 running on one of those multiple desktops. So just to me, I look at the fact that they're introducing multiple desktops as a new feature. I think it's great because now Microsoft Windows users, people who are trapped in that environment, are able to do something that I've been doing for years and enjoying. Mm-hmm. And, the, and some people say, well, multiple desktops is pointless. From a productivity standpoint, for a busy programmer or somebody that's working on multiple projects at once, it's so nice to be able just to flip your screen around and, and have different applications set here, different client over here, my email application over here, uh, different operating system here, because I've got virtualization running through VirtualBox. And so that's something that is, you know, okay, good. Another great feature that Microsoft is implementing into uh, Windows 10. They've made all kinds of um, interesting improvements. One of them that has been standing out is that, and it's still it's still kind of going here, so I'm just waiting for it. The color transitions are just awesome, from blue to purple. Microsoft, you got that right. <laughs> really? Okay. Eh, at least it says that there's a little bit of... If you check out my blog, it says how much I love rainbows, and I'm just well, watching this, and I'm like, oh. And it's, it's like... They were listening. <laughs> Microsoft was so, reading your blog and read said, my oh, blog. we'll make a rainbow. Oh, it's green now, and it's transitioning, getting your apps ready. It's been saying that for some time. Uh, one of the things that I found interesting, and I think a lot of people are possibly finding interesting, is that Microsoft has said, we have added copy and paste through Control-C, Control-V to the command prompt. That's Why does that matter? Gonna get some, take some getting used to. Well, power users and geeks who grew up with DOS, early versions of Windows, care about the command prompt mm-hmm. because that's something that we use regularly. And one of the annoying things about Windows is that they never had the ability to paste directly into the properly into the the DOS terminal, the command prompt. Um, and that's finished booting up. Um, you always had to click on the icon and then go edit, paste. And if there's wrapping, then it messed up the text. And it was just a joke. Mm-hmm. So it's funny and interesting that here we are. It's Windows 10. Okay. We're talking a, tw- a 2015 release. <laughs> oh. And they're saying, oh, we've got this great new feature where you can paste into your terminal window. But why does that matter? And I And it struck me that, okay, Windows 8 was a stretch and it made every power you i shouldn't be so um so vague and 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 generalized like that but it made a lot of power users and uh, windows fans who were who are programmers and and things like it made us go oh they're they're not thinking about us at all i'm going to switch over to linux or i'm going to try mac and so a lot of users were lost in that space so now they're saying Oh, that feature that you've always wanted, here it is. And it's completely, and really, it's kind of pointless, but they're actually stating that that's a new feature and that's a great thing. So an improved command prompt, if that matters to you. Uh, apparently, Microsoft is finally, you know, they're trying to get those users back, I think. But let's take a look. So here, here it is. It's Windows 10. This is the preview. And uh, it looks like it's cropped off on my screen a little bit. I'm not sure if I can fix the screen screen resolution to 720p. Let's take a look. 
1280 by 1024. No, I can't. So we can't quite see the uh, the bottom there. Yeah, that's okay. So there's our new start menu. Um, it's got you know this the traditional kind of the tiles that they've brought into Windows 8 and what we would have expected from Windows 9. But it's out of the box. It's working fine this time around. I've had some good experiences and some bad experiences with the preview. But there you have it. So works fairly well. We're going to be looking closer at the uh, operating system, Windows 10, um, just over time uh, as we get closer to release um, so that we can hone in on some of those features that are maybe good, maybe bad. Uh, but do keep in mind, if you're going to look at the, uh, the preview, the technical preview, that it is designed for Microsoft to be able to monitor its users uh, in such a way that yeah, it's a little bit ominous, a little bit creepy. A little bit creepy. Yeah, but they're saying that it's the whole purpose of releasing it a year and a half early is, uh, or uh, I guess a, about a half a year early or a little bit more than that, um, is that uh, they want to get as much feedback from users' experiences as possible. And what better way to receive that than to spy on the users? <laughs> Look at that. Good intentions, just a little weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it is. We're up and running with Windows 10. There we go. So we'll look at that. And it has the start menu out of the box. Works fairly well. Still square. Ugly as sin. <laughs> <laughs> this is Category 5 Technology TV. Thanks for being here with us tonight. Uh, this is episode number 368. So if you'd like to download the files, comment on the episode, vote on your favorite episodes, go to category5.tv. Again, this is 368. So if you want to vote for this one, uh, give us as many stars out of five as you like. And uh, those show up on Roku, on your Roku player. So if you want to mm-hmm. get us, uh, add us to your Roku player, it's cat5.tv slash Roku channel. We are persistently the second highest rated science and tech broadcast on the roku platform which is astounding amazing and and exciting and thank you uh, all of our roku viewers who have uh, rated us highly on uh, on roku Uh, we haven't even you know we haven't asked for people to do that because i think it's it's really up to you to rate the show honestly Um, but i really do appreciate that uh, that persistently we're number two Uh, sometimes we fall into number three but um, we're two and three as far as the uh, the top-rated broadcasts on science and tech on Roku. Check that out. Impressive. Mm-hmm. What is number one? Number one would be Twit. <laughs> this week in te- and tech. So that's what we need to shows. <laughs> Yeah. Good luck with that. But here we are. We've got you know the studio space. It's nothing like the brick house, but it's uh, it's it's pretty cool, and we're growing. And it's amazing. What's uh, quite a bit different from us and other shows, and you know Twit and and uh, all of those is that um, we're volunteers. Mm-hmm. We're all volunteers. This whole project to get into the studio was all volunteers doing this all the painting was volunteers the paint is donated the stuff is donated and uh and we're just you know doing this for our community and and really it's about that community aspect of the show Mm -hmm. which is kind of different and interesting and we love it uh and so hello to our chat room and everybody who's a part of the community do we bailey do we have time for another viewer question got six minutes all right yeah cool Let's see. I have another. Just. Okay. I have another question from the Zen guy. Um, hey, the Zen guy. Again. <laughs> hey. I noticed Robbie created a bootable Linux USB from inside Microsoft Windows on the show. 
sometimes you have to repair a USB flash drive. Oh, yeah. Um, maybe this isn't a question. Pay particular attention to the programs I use in Windows 7. Windows Linux doesn't have anything near as good. Um, oh. To re- to repair, I see. So to repair, yeah, USB flash drives sometimes can become corrupted. Right, yeah. People tend to eject them without thinking, oh, yeah, I need to safely eject them, and that can be a problem. Uh, I see that he's posted a link there, hard2detect.com slash Linux slash USB dash flash dash drives drive dash repair. I'm going to post that in the show notes for you. Okay, hardtodetect.com slash Linux slash USB dash flash dash drive dash repair. That's the story that the Zen guy wanted to show us. Uh, Some ways to fix hardware problems with... I I think when it happens to me, it does tend to be when I've got a bad ISO or a bad image being put onto a flash drive. And it is cool to have some tools... Maybe this will help us. There are some suggestions here. Holy cow. Suggestions here on how to fix a damaged USB flash drive. Because if you get one of these, I mean, they're not expensive anymore. This, like I said, was 18 bucks. It's a 16 gig drive that is super fast. That's crazy. USB 3. <laughs> so, I mean, they're dirt cheap now. Yeah. I, I'm paying like a buck a gig, basically, plus the speed that I get. So, uh, And you can get them so super cheap. So it becomes kind of a disposable technology, which is unfortunate. Make sure you e-waste. But isn't it better to be able to fix it? Definitely. If you get file system errors or something. Definitely. Thanks for the post. Time for one more real quick. Um, Do we have any quick ones or they're, they're all fairly um, long? Let's see. That one looks long. <laughs> I'm going to try Keep that Keep them one. concise, folks. Keep them concise. Okay, um, have been enjoying your or have been enjoying watching your show since the basement days. I now have a problem with getting started. I've written quite a few short stories, which all take place over the U.S. I have in mind to use oh, cool. Google Google, eh, Google Earth to zoom in so people can see exactly where the story is taking place. What would be the best way to do this, and what software and equipment would <laughs> you suggest? Many thanks for your help, old Mister B. Cool. It's interesting. Yeah, so you got some short stories that you're... So are we wanting to actually turn this into a a visual experience? Or is this... Are you saying that you want to have on your website some form of ability to zoom in on the areas? Uh, how how do we want that to work? Do you, do you grasp what he's saying there? Um, what would be the best way to do this? So Google Earth to zoom so people... So where are we zooming? Like, are we turning your stories into a, a Probably video? the location of... Like the studio. It takes place here. But is this on a website? Is this in a video? I, I would say, I mean. I'm going with a video because he's saying he's having a problem getting started. So. Okay. So <laughs> then I guess if it is video, then uh, this is old Mr. B. Uh, I would just be careful of the copyright that surrounds Google Earth. Yeah. That's the only problem that you're going to have is if you're going to be releasing this then those are things that you have to keep in mind. Google has some very specific um, demands that if you're going to use their visuals in your production, then you do have to, um, you do have to provide certain, you, know, you have to meet certain criteria. Usually it's as simple as a Google logo on the screen at all times. Mm-hmm. That's cool. 
Um, so it, it, I would look into that kind of thing. And Google Earth is a really great. I mean, being able to do flyovers and you can program in the points and then push play and hit record on your screen recorder and get that whole visual uh, with the, the satellite views and the 3D buildings that they've created and everything is pretty cool. you got to admit. Miraculous, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There are ways to embed those things. So if we're thinking about websites, there are ways to embed those same functions into a website. However, they do require uh, plugins that may not be available on all systems. So Mm -hmm. we try to stay away from that kind of thing. So that's when you just use uh, Google embed codes for the map itself, stick a pin on it, and people can then, you know, we all know how to use a Google map. And we're using Google as the example. It might be Bing. It might be, you know, whatever. MapQuest. Do people still use MapQuest? I don't know. I don't they think exist. so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't no. Know. Yeah, anyway, so it's Google or Bing. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, you know, you can just embed the map and people just know, okay, that's the street view, man. I can bring it down and I can view the, the street view. And that's how we tend to do it these days. <laughs> so, But if we haven't quite grasped what you're asking for, uh, old Mr. B, we'd love to help you out. And I think Bailey's the, you know, she's, she's pro at the whole um, stories and stuff owns a publishing company so she's really well versed at uh, uh, how to promote and create visuals and things like that eh? <laughs> yeah. so she'd be the one to ask send it to her attention <laughs> can't believe that's all the time that we have we made it through a whole hour with mm-hmm. only minor technical glitches which we can very conveniently blame on Microsoft <laughs> <laughs> worked out very well that way This has been Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 368. Thanks, Bailey, for being here. Thank you for having me. Thanks, everybody. We've got Tyler in the studio. We've got Adam on camera and uh, Sasha in the newsroom. Love your newsroom, by the way. I also love it. Teleprompter was fabulous. Did it work well? You did so well. I can't believe that I even, I I don't know if you got this at home, but I interrupted her just as a test to see what would happen. And she didn't even flinch. Way to go. <laughs> so, so I'm hired. Yeah, there you go. She's got the job. Got the job. So get used to it. Sasha Dermatis in the newsroom. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. I hope you have a wonderful week. Uh, next week, we are back right here in Studio D for episode number 369 of Category 5. Check out our website this week, www.category5.tv. Make sure you're registered there. We're going to get everything organized and start sending out greets to our registered viewers. So have a great week. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye. We hope you enjoyed the show. Category 5 TV broadcasts live from Barrie, Ontario, Canada, every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you're watching this on demand or through cable TV, check out the local showtimes in your area at Category5.tv and find out when you can watch live and interact in the community chat room. Category 5 is a production of Prodigy Digital Solutions and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 2.5 Canada. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.